Hello, hello everyone. I'm Michelle Barandres, and this is From the Basement Up. Today I'm talking with Juan Featherstone. He's a dreamer, a doer, a man who is bringing hope and a love of horses to the youth in his community. He's doing this through a nonprofit he co-founded called Urban Saddles. I first saw Guan on a television program and immediately wanted to speak with him. His laugh is contagious and his outlook on life is infectious. After leaving the service, he wanted to create a culture of confidence for kids and target some of society's biggest challenges. As you'll hear on today's episode, Urban Saddles is a safe place that is making a difference for kids in his community. And Guan believes that anything is possible and he's helping to motivate and inspire kids to thrive. Hi, everyone. Thank you for meeting us and coming on today's episode of From the Basement Up. I have a very special guest today. His name is Guan Featherstone, and he is a co-founder of Urban Saddles. Um, this is a fabulous nonprofit based in L.A., and I'm excited to introduce you to him and let him tell you the story of how he was able to build this amazing, amazing um, place for kids to go to in his community. Hi, Guan. Hello, how are you? Good, how are you? Oh, good, good. Thanks for having me here. You know, I'm, I'm really excited about being on your show. Good, well, thank you. And actually, Guan, I saw you on, I think it was Home Sweet Home on ABC and watched yes. you trade places with another family. And I just loved you. I, I Emily is actually um, a family member and I made Emily watch the show. I'm like, you have to watch this family. It just... <laughs> I I love it was so fun yeah and I love how oh, you, thank you you are in your community where you grew up and living in your home and raising your family and I just you have an infectious laugh and a great wonderful personality and I just was very excited to talk to you so thank you for joining us today um yes, I, I think the first question I have and the most important is what is Urban Saddles okay well Urban Saddles uh we're a nonprofit. And uh, we're set up not only as a youth uh, organization, even though that is our main focus, but we, we focus on the community. So our mission statement is building hope and opportunity for youth and community through the equine experience in the Cowboy Code of the West. And that meaning we bring the equine experience to the community and get them attracted to this different type of lifestyle that they're living within the environment that we're in. Yep. That's great. As far as, you know, the kids that are coming to this amazing place that you've built, can you explain kind of what's what's bringing them there and what they might experience when they actually come? Okay, yes. Um, well, the, the, the whole premise of our organization isn't only to build like cowboys. We're trying to affect the community in a way to, where we get to them organically. So when the kids come up, they have to clean, they have to groom the horse, they have to learn how to care for the horse, they have to learn how to saddle the horse up, they have to learn how to put the bridle on, they have to learn everything about this, this majestic animal before they can actually get on the horse's back. And then once they do that, they get to ride and then they get to learn how to actually control a horse and see the tales of the horse as far as what the horse is thinking by, by seeing his mannerisms, his movements, and, and uh, we teach him balance. And mainly it's a, it's a big 
circle, like of responsibilities that they have to take on. It's not just them getting a ride. I love that. As far as kids coming in, do you find that they can make connections with the horses? Oh yeah, oh yeah. That's the, that's the only way to to get the ride. The horse. You got to make that connection with the horse, and and that's what we show them. That's why we don't just let them come up there and then saddle the horses already saddled and they just hop on and ride around in a circle. No, so that's the whole point of the cleaning the horse's stall and they going out there and they grooming that horse, washing them, petting them, brushing them, talking to them. You know, that's all part of the process before they even get to ride. So they have to build that trust with the animal. We show them that when a horse doesn't trust you, how it acts and how it responds and the movements and, and you have to move slow and you have to, you know, never walk behind the horse and, you know, always keep one hand on the horse when you're rubbing the horse and just these different things. So they're building a relationship constantly with the horse. Uh, so that, that's it. But it's done organically. You see, we tell them like this. They don't even know the reasoning. Why, why is he making me brush this horse? Why is he making me clean this stall? Why is he making, you know, see, so, but it just happens. And then next thing you know, they fall in love with the horse and they can't wait to ride the horse. And then they understand the horse. I'm like, okay, the horse is fucked. You got to talk to the horse. Make friends with the horse, bro. you know. And, you know, so they get it. And 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 I just love to see the process of the bonding period between the horse and the kid and even adults, too, because they have to go through the same process. That's not a process just that I tell kids to do. That's the, if an adult came up there, you would be cleaning the boo-boo. Yeah. You would have to do that, <laughs> yes. <laughs> I love that. That's like, a, that's good, though. It creates a level of appreciation for, you know, the good things in life or the yeah. quick ride that you get. You know, it's not free. Mm -hmm. You have to take care of the horse before and, and after you have to work mm -hmm. for things. Absolutely. I, I on a mm -hmm. personal note, um, my son for years wanted guinea pigs. So I finally broke down and got him guinea pigs. Well, every week he would complain when he had to clean up the guinea pig cage. And at mm -hmm. this time he was wanting to do horseback riding. And I said, no way. I'm like, <laughs> if we're having a hard time with guinea pigs, there's no way we're getting promoted to horses. So, um, yeah, it's, it does take a lot of work. So, oh yes, it's a day, it's a daily effort. Yes, <laughs> absolutely. But I love how they're building trust with this animal. And do you, how do you see that transitioning into their lives outside of urban saddles? I see them building relationships with their peers because we have to teach them that the same generosity that they show that animal, the same patience and the same care that people require, require that same type of attention. So if you want to foster good relationships with each other, you got to talk to your homeboy nice. You can't just be rough with them because, you know, they come there a little rough around the edges and then, you know, and then, you know, do the little bickering or whatever. And then, but when we get in, we show them, okay, you can't rise up with the horse like that, you know, because you know that horse is going to kick you. You're scared that the horse is going to do something. So think about it with, with your friend like that, too. Don't make him feel some kind of way where he wants to do something to you or say something back negative. Always take the route of trying to bring peace to the situation. And then so you can start seeing them doing it, and, you know, and then they know that 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 that's how we operate up there. So after a few, you know, it takes a while because, you know, they, it's, habits are hard to kind of break, you sure. know. So you, you got to go back and talk to them again. Hey, remember this, that. But after a while, you see they got it. And once they got it, they become uh, what we call little saddlers, you know, in essence. So we got a few ambassadors already there. So they're already there at the level to whereas I can trust them 
to tell the other kids and check the other kids, you know? So it takes the little burden off of us because, you know, we don't have to really step in too much because the little wranglers on their neck, you know, see? So I'm like, no, nah, you can't say that. You can't do it. So I'm like, oh, okay. All right. So that works. And it, and it, and it kind of works a lot better like that when they hear from their peers, you know, opposed to just feeling like we're just always on their head, you know? And then, so, um, uh, I really like that dynamic when I see see the kids actually embrace it, and then all we have to do is just sit back and monitor it. Sure. So I I also wanted to let the listeners know that uh, you're a veteran. You work you were in the army, and you were in the yes. army for quite some time, living overseas, um, had yes. some good experiences, or I guess difficult experiences. But I'd love to hear some of that, and then how you came back and got into horseback riding yourself. Mm-hmm. Oh, well, um, well, yeah, I spent time in the United States Army, spent most of my time overseas. So um, I got to see a lot. I was there when the wall came down in Berlin, Germany. I was at Checkpoint Charlie when the wall came down. And I just remember the people coming across and seeing them tasting that freedom for the first time. You know, and I remember when the wall was up and how we used to get these things called flag orbs. Uh, in order to go over there to the across the wall, but we'd have to wear our uniforms. We couldn't go over there in civilian clothes. We go wear our uniforms, and you weren't allowed to take any pictures of any building that displayed the Russian logo on it. If you did, they shoot you. You know, it happened to a major. They killed him. And, you know, but anyway, um, it was a lot going on at that time in the military, and so, but it just taught me a lot, just of where I came from, and it just gave me a great appreciation for my country. And um, even more so, just seeing how other countries, how they live, you know, some things are better, some things are worse, but it just gave me a great appreciation for uh, the country I lived in. So when I did finally make it back to the United States and I saw the way that my neighborhood was, you know, it kind of, kind of, you know, disturbed me because I wasn't here for the riots. I didn't see uh, 92, they had the big riot, Rodney King riots, and they kind of like burned LA up, right? You know, so stuff that I knew that was once, you know, thriving was, you know, not there. So, and they didn't even fix the building. Some of the buildings are still tore to this day. And, um, but they tore downtown up. It just changed the whole dynamic of LA. When I got back and I saw that gang violence was still prominent, and it was like, how did this stuff survive? You know, I came up as a kid in the 70s and I saw the transition of gangs going from fighting in the streets to, you know, getting chains and bats to somebody get a pistol, then death, then drive-by shootings. And I saw all of that happen in, in my community. And I just uh, knew that when I got back, that stuff would be over with. You know what I mean? Like, how can this stuff just keep going on and on? But it didn't. It just got more. The problem exasperated itself. You had all the streets against themselves, 30th Street, 4th Street, 6th Street, just all these different gangs just... And it was just like crazy. And then I ran into somebody that told me about this place where uh, horses were. And um, that's how I got up into horses. And I went down there to this place. And that's a whole nother story in itself. You know, so. But uh, yeah, but that's how I got into horses. No, I, I love that. And I'm just, you know, we, we talked a little bit before the show and I loved how you decided to make the bridge or build that bridge between the horses and the community and knowing that 
the kids in your community, how they would respond to this, because it was such a, a healing thing for you um, at a solo level, being with these horses and knowing, building that connection. Um, what, what was the, 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 I guess, the catalyst that was just like, wow, I can, I can do this. I can make this happen in my community and make a huge difference. The necessity was the catalyst for it, you know, because uh, a place had to exist like that. You know, um, like I said, when I got into horses, there was already a place that existed. It was already there for like 75 years prior to me even getting there. And uh, that's the place that helped me heal my spirit and, and learn to love the horses and, and, and fall in love with the whole culture. And so it, it helped the community. It was like a safe haven. You had Bloods, Crips, Hispanic gangs, uh, MS-13s, white blacks, all these different people there at this place. and it was working, you know, that inside of those gates, there, there was nothing, you know, that those people held against each other because of their affiliations. And I really loved that. And it made me want to be there every day because all around me outside of that place was different, <laughs> way different. So in 2012, it burned down. And when it burned down, we did our efforts and, and tried to get the place back up and running and, and see if we could get the community activated to want to you know, see this place exist, but pretty much, you know, we couldn't, it didn't work. So at that point, it was like, okay, well, all right, we can't get the city involved. We can't get the community involved. We got to do it ourselves. And me and my buddies, we started this organization called the Hill Foundation prior to being Urban Saddles. And, and, and we started trying to get the Hill up and running and say we could do it. That didn't work. And then we found this place in Southgate and we said, okay, well, we're going to drop trying to bring the hill back. And then we started Urban Saddles and we named it Urban Saddles. We didn't want to be L.A. Saddles or Compton Saddles or Compton Cowboy, L.A. Cowboy. You know, we wanted to be something that was more inclusive to everybody within the urban communities. And so uh, that's how we came up with the name Urban Saddles. So in 2019, uh, <coughs> excuse me. In 2019 is when we officially started the name Urban Saddles. But prior to that, we were already running because once the, the place closed down in 2012, uh, we had a documentary that was being filmed of us trying to open the place back up. And during the filming of that, op, that, that, that documentary is when we found out that, one, there was no way that we could do it there because the owner wasn't receptive. And two, that the need really had us to drive us even harder to do it because I got discouraged for a while because during that time period, we lost some young ones that we knew. And so, and then it was like, oh, we can't stop. You know, we got to keep on going. But it was a point where it was like, oh, this is too hard. I'm just going to ride my horse and, and, and call it a day, you know? And then so, but uh, when those tragic incidents happened, it gave us the extra fire to just keep on going, keep pushing. So now we got this place. And it's open for everybody to come to. You know, we got youth and adults being serviced at the place, healing themselves, you know. So it's a wonderful thing. God made it happen. So you must be a, like a pillar in your community. I guess that's what I want to say. If, if I was a child in your community, I would just be just so excited that you are doing this and putting this effort. It is a, it's a huge effort to create something in a community. And I just, you know, commend you amazing work. Um, I, I want to also, one of the reasons why I started from the basement up was 
so we could hear stories and, and get pointers. What are some pointers you would recommend for people out there who are thinking of starting something similar for their community? Um, well, I would say if your heart is in it, you know, and um, people try to discourage you from doing it because it doesn't make sense to them. They don't see your vision or uh, it just uh, it doesn't make economical sense, but you feel that it's something that's dear to you that you want to do to achieve uh, some type of success for your community and you want to fill the need and the gap that is there, never stop. You can do it. You know, you, you, you can do it. Even if it takes you 10 years, 20 years, 30 years, you can do it. So just remember that the world is going to be against you. That's just the way it is. The world is going to try to discourage you. It doesn't make sense. You know, the, uh, your idea has flaws in it. You know, they're going to tell you all of that. But if you believe in your heart, there's something that you want to do, do it. And I'd like to say, too, you kind of you kind of talked over it pretty quickly, but like you're you started it and you kept going and you picked yourself up after losing people in your community because like you you were like, this is that important. Like these are the kids we're doing outreach to. This is why we have this program. This is why we're bringing ourselves together and creating this, you know, peaceful environment. We can't, it's, it's terribly sad and it's so, but that's why you're doing it. And I feel like yeah. that is the true passion in your work is it's for those yeah. kids, it's for those situations. You're save, saving lives and empowering young people. So it, it's, it's amazing. So I, I wanted to know and find out about, um, just, you know, some of your events that you have and share those with people. Mm -hmm. Okay. Well, we do trail rides. When we, when we get together, we uh, get the community involved with the trail rides and, and do those type of events. We'll have special events happening down at the barn uh, or take them, take them out to where we trailer out to different locations, take them camping and uh, do things like that. And we have a trail outside of our area where we're at. And uh, we get the kids good enough to ride the trail. They get real excited about that. We also offer trail rides for adults too. Everything that I'm saying that we do for the youth, we also do separate things for the adults as well. Um, because our organization, I have to reiterate that it is designed to empower the family, you know, Empowering the youth, what I've seen in, in our community is, you know, kids, you can give kids an outlet, right? And especially one like this, you can give them an outlet. But if their parents aren't on board with that outlet, they're not going to get there. They can't just hop on a bus and come to Urban South. The parents got to get them there, you know. Um, and if the parents don't see the benefit in it or the interest in it, they're not going to get the kids to come and do this stuff. So we try to get the families involved. It's imperative, actually, because we're not a daycare. So we, 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 we try to get the families involved so that when we say what we say, and we um, try to instill the values that we instill in, that that stuff is being regurgitated at home as well. You know, that they're all, everybody's in. It's, it's a village type effort, you know. So, um, that's like the the 
the motivation of this whole thing. And then not only that way, when we can get all of us thinking in the same direction, only that way it, it, would, it is going to work as far as changing our community, you know, because I could be the voice of reason. And if a child is surrounded by all the negative, you know, I say, oh, don't steal. And everybody around him like, come on, let's go break into this. Let's go steal this. Um, you know, they only with me a couple of hours. That's going to win all the time, you know. So I try to change even what, they, what they're hearing at home. I try to affect those people. So they're kind of saying the same stuff, too. Like, oh, no, I need you up there. I want you, you know. So it's a long process. That's why I don't feel really like I'm doing much. You know, because people always say, oh, yeah, you're doing you're doing uh, amazing things and, and you're doing this and doing that. And, and I see so little um, that I'm doing in my own mind because my, 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 my vision is bigger. It's for the whole community. So I, I still see kids killing each other. You know, I still see on the news every time I starting we got this thing called citizen i get these alerts there's robberies all around this this that you know so it's like okay well i'm not doing nothing you know but then i think about the kids that do come and i'm i'm, I'm happy that they're that they're happy and, and that they get to come and they, they get to tell their people that they're around to come and, and then it motivates me more like okay well why you can't worry about what you're not doing just keep concentrating on what you can do you know so but in my mind, it's, it's so much more, so much more. And that's your values. I immediately thought back to like your mission statement, you know, it goes back to community. It's all about like the hope and, and using this kind of implementation of a change in the way, you know, they conduct their everyday lives to change their mm-hmm. overall community. Yeah. Yeah. I think that that is a lot even though you might not feel like it's a lot, like they they probably go tell their friends the lessons they learned from their horse that day and from you. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. They do. Yeah, they do. Yeah, they do. I just, want, I, just want, I just want about a million of them to do yeah. it. <laughs> <laughs> well, we'll get you some more, some, some more ears here in your voice. Yeah, <laughs> I'm. I'm just curious as far as the kids that are that are coming. Coming, how often are they saying, "I was, I woke up this morning excited to be here today"? So you must hear that a lot. Yes. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Most definitely. And like I said, and that and that what keeps it going. That keeps all of us motivated. You know, to keep doing what we're doing. You see the excitement that they have. They want to get out there, and then, you know, it just makes me. I, I get to relive my first day riding a horse every day. You know, see, so I'm I'm like a big kid all the time. You know, see, so it's it's a wonderful thing. I, you know that I, I must admit that everybody that has entrenched themselves in the program and in the lifestyle, I can see the change that it has had and the effect that it has had on their lives outside of the staples as well. Mm-hmm. That's awesome. As far as the families, how like how long does a family unit? Because I know you were saying how important that is. Will they come and ride together? Do, does it does it happen for months or for years? Um, or um, it happens as long as they want to. Yeah, this is you know it, it happens as long as they want to. Some people come, they did it for a week. Something good that their family did. Some people come and just stick around, and that's what they do. You know, see. So um, some people are in and out. You know, here this month, gone for a couple months, back this month. You know, this. So. Um, 
yeah, you know, it's it, and that's what I love seeing people that didn't have horses buy horses because they now they love it so much, you know. So you can just see the 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 lives that are affected by the power of the horse. So, I mean, since Urban Saddles, I guess, was officially established in 2019, I know it's been a you guys have it's been a journey and and different transitions. Um, how big has the has the organization gotten to? Like, how many riders do you typically have in a week? Um, in a week, we typically have maybe about thirty to fifty people. You know, frequent the place, and um, but if we go out and do events, because we'll go out like on the weekends and, and we'll do stuff, you know, and then so we uh, engage lots of people at those functions, you know, and so uh, and we'll do events and, and parties and where we give rides to the community, you know, so, um, but as far as people that come down, it's about 30 to 50. At our facility, you can only come with an appointment. It's not just walk up because uh, of COVID. COVID kind of changed the way we had to operate when we went into 2019 oh man we had a big kickoff and we advertised something because uh, we had the film fire on the hill going on and uh we did a big advertisement to get the people you know there and we're like 2019 is gonna be going crazy you know and then uh i mean 2020 is gonna go crazy and then they just shut us down you know they they was like oh no uh-uh. Yeah, we had about 250 people there at one time, um, but people just wanted to come out and just enjoy the place. And then, but uh, due to the COVID regulations, we had to shut that down immediately. And then uh, we've been operating ever since then, uh, since our pretty much our existence of trying to get people there with appointments only due to COVID. Yeah. So, and uh, but when we do go out to events i don't know how many people they're going to have at their event and how many people they're not going to have but we service everybody that comes up and wants to uh explore the horse you know so and sometimes it'll be 300 people sometimes it'll be 400 you know yeah so um it really touches the community you know because when those same people that we see at these events they'll see us out in the street or they'll call call us later and want to come down to the barn so um I can see the need for it. And when we ride through the street, everybody turns into a big kid when they see these horses coming down the street. You know, the kids come running out of the houses. The, the parents are like, what? Horses? What the? Even the dogs <laughs> on the street. What kind of dog is that? <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, it's exciting, you know. Good. Now, how often are you riding through the streets or does that your events? That um, you- well, that, that happens, yeah, probably like once a week. Yeah. Mm-hmm. probably like once a week we'll, we'll, we'll go and let the horses get out and it's it's good training for a horse our horses are desensitized like to things that normal horses would probably get spooked and scared of uh, so uh loud noises our horses can ride with a motorcycle group oh, sure. and, and with the harleys going off low riders jumping <laughs> you know and, and they just ride <laughs> no That's problem awesome. yeah so but that comes with the exposure, you know. We had our horses out on Fourth of July riding through the community. Oh wow! Um, we went to an event um, in Watts. They did a, a big ceremony for the community in Watts, and they had fireworks going off and the big light show and horses. They did. We on their backs just looking at the show. Oh, yeah. <laughs> people are like, awesome. wow, these horses are calm. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but that's that's all because you know the environment that they're in. 
So I do want to tell you, because I follow you on Instagram from our From the Basement Up uh, Instagram page. I saw you. Oh, okay. Did you guys do a ride on MLK Day? Yeah. yeah they looked so yeah. cool. It was like literally the street. And I'm and then you're like, like a horseback. And I'm just like, oh, my God, they're out there right now in the middle of downtown <laughs> riding horses. Yeah. But yeah. such a celebration. That must have been fun. Oh, yeah, that was. That was a real nice event. The community appreciated that we still uh, came out because we ride in the parades when they have them. Yeah. But uh, they haven't had them the last couple of years. And they were they were going to have one this year. But right at the last moment, like two weeks prior, they canceled it. And then so uh, everybody was still like, well, you know, well, let's do something. And it was cool because in the Merck Park, they did a big ceremony, had all the booths out, all the vendors out. And we rode over there and the community still got to touch the horses and we let some of them ride. It was cool. Yeah, it was really That's nice. awesome. Like your own little parade. Yes, exactly. Like our own little parade. Awesome. Mm -hmm. So as far as um, building urban saddles, what is your vision? Like, what is your, I know that you, you have grand plans. I can tell you were thinking these big things, but yeah, as we come out of COVID, what, mm -hmm. like, what are you hoping for probably in like the next year or two? Like, you know, well, I'm hoping that Urban Saddles uh, gets the opportunity to um, go to these schools and uh, talk to the schools, bring a program where we can bring uh, the horses to different schools, go around and introduce the, the horse, husband, horse husbandry aspect of what we do to the kids. We can teach them about the horse's anatomy, teach them about the saddles and get them interested and then get them down to the facility where we could get them riding, you know? And uh, that's the next step of what we're going to do. Get get a program for, uh, we have uh, children's services out here at DCFS. Try to get involved with those kids that are actually uh, placed in, uh, you know, these like boys' homes, girls' homes, and foster care. Give them something, an outlet, something that they could do. And uh, we want to grow those type of avenues. That sounds fantastic. How... Is this a COVID restriction that you're just not able to quite branch out at this time? Just because mm -hmm, mm -hmm, of the COVID, you know, restrictions and, you know, they still haven't really figured out how they want to do it. And we really haven't figured out how we want to do it, you know, because everybody that we come in contact with, we're, we're exposed to, you know, see, so, you know, all of that is a factor, you know, and, and the way that we've been operating, uh, because before before COVID, it was just so free. The, the, the vision was so clear. I just had a, had a great plan. But uh... <laughs> Oh, my gosh. I said this in another interview, but you're making me think yeah. of that quote. Do you know it? It's man plans and God laughs. <laughs> I think exactly. just COVID life. That's how it is. Yep, that's how it is. And I had to laugh at that, too. And I, that's funny that you said that, because I always say it's a Guan's plan, it's a God's plan. And most of the time, Guan's plan does not work <laughs> at all. <laughs> oh, I love it. That's funny. But I do love, I love your vision. I love how you're putting it out there. And, and that's that's the start. So it, yes. it's fantastic. And it's going to happen, you know? Yes, yes, exactly. Exactly. You know, and, um, you know, hopefully we'll draw in some people that could uh, help take us to the next level, because um, right now, one of our biggest uh, obstacles is finances trying in this COVID time. You know, it's like we had a lot of members uh, not working all of a sudden, you know, and, um, 
the capacity of us being able to get people down there to be able to pay to handle our, our bills down there feed. We have uh, 12 horses at the barn and we got to feed them every day. You got to pay the stall rent, stay with rent shoes, you know, so it's a lot of money involved when it's only coming from uh, yourselves, you know, just pretty well, none of us are rich by far. And so, uh, you know, so that's been our biggest challenge trying to, trying to keep the finance, keep the places, you know, just going because we're not really charging the community. And uh, so, but that's one of the reasons that we want to get into these other programs, maybe strike a deal with the uh, LAUSD or one of these school districts or some, some type of government program where they want to get involved and help the kids and where they just pay the bills and, and we just go out and do the work, you know, see, so, uh, but that's why I said what I said about our focus on where we're going to go down those avenues. And once we secure that, that opens up the door for us to broaden the aspect because we are more than cowboys where we at. You know, we want to teach the kids uh, construction. We want to teach the kids because that's my trade. I don't know if you know that or not, but uh, that's what I do by trade. I, I'm a uh, commercial superintendent. So build like Target, Wells Fargo, Starbucks, stuff like that. Uh, work for a company called Kurt Tom Dunsmere for years doing that and I just stepped back for the last couple of months I'm going to have to go back to work soon but just to try to just build urban saddles concentrate on the plan here but in order to do that effectively we're going to have to have some type of superpower jump in and, and say okay well I can handle these bills I could I could do this for y'all get to get a grant get you an LAUSD or something just to keep it going so but God is willing, and we're motivated, and we we're persistent. That's the good thing. Mm -hmm. I love the I love the determination. I mean, that's mm -hmm. how how it happens, and the fact that you've been making it happen through COVID. I uh, I know what happened to us here, and it was quite scary. So, oh um, yeah, yeah, great great job. You know, I had a couple okay. of questions as far as the West, the old West, you know, just mm -hmm. as far as the, the history of cowboys. And I wanted to kind of just kind of hear it from you and, and then also mm -hmm. find out who your favorite cowboy was. Oh, okay. Um, well, cowboys, you know, when, when cowboys were prominent back in the day, <clears throat> people don't know, but black cowboys were about one quarter of the cowboys, probably about 20, 25% of all cowboys were black when cowboys roamed the great plains and so now that was robbed of the history because of hollywood hollywood didn't want to put that image of, of a black man out there on this animal uh controlling this big majestic animal because it was like a powerful image and so at that time black men were boys so even the term of cowboy was a derogatory term at that time you know that was there was the field boys, you know, you know, then you had your cotton boys, you know what I'm saying? And you had your cowboys, you know, there's that, but you can never put a man in, in on a black man's name at that time. So, but then you had cowboys such as Bill Pickett, you know, took the cowboy thing to the next level as far as, you know, inventing bulldogging and having all these good events and all this other stuff. And it became cool. The term cowboy was cool. It's like, oh, these cowboys. <laughs> Cowboys out here doing it, you know, they see them black guys out there wrestling the cows. They were the ones doing that. White guys just made it want to happen. I want my cows over there. Get them over there, boy. You know, and then they, oh, look at that boy go. <laughs> <laughs> so, 
So it became cool to see those black guys out there wrestling with cows. But when Hollywood wanted to show that image, they couldn't show a black man doing that. They had to, you know, they they had to, they'd rather teach a white guy to do it, to play the part, you know, to, to, before they put a black guy on camera showing him doing this this amazing thing with these animals. And so the black cowboy image was like just, you know, muffled. So it's been around for a long time. This isn't something new that just came out of the blue, you know. So you have black cowboys that served in the military. You had the Buffalo Soldier units that served and helped the military. And they were on horseback, you know. And see, so a lot of people don't even know that. They think cavalry. They don't think about any black guys, you know, being on horses, doing that type of stuff. So as long as the term cowboy existed, there have been black guys doing it. So let's get that one right. My my son actually taught me about about Bass Reeves, and that you know he really yeah. he is the Lone Ranger and uh, yeah Bass Reeves is the Lone Ranger. Yep, absolutely. Oh, something happened to your video. And oh. yeah, yeah, somebody tried to call me. Can you see? Okay, <laughs> yeah, we're good. Yeah, Please. yeah, but yeah, Bass Reeves. He was an escaped slave, and he became U.S. Marshal. He went and lived on the Indian Reservation, and learned all these good tracking and hunting skills and all that good stuff. And then uh, he landed him a job as a U.S. Marshal doing all of the stuff that uh, going into the Indian territories and everywhere where the white guy didn't want to go, you know. So because that used to be the thing back in the day, like, OK, you, you know, go rob a bank or something like that. You're going to run off to the Indian territories, run off to Mexico, or do, do your thing, you know. See, So he was the guy that they would send to go in those territories where the white uh, marshals didn't want to go. And he got over, got accredited for like over 3,000 something arrests. You know, he was, he was the man, you know, so he was the man <laughs> with the gun root to, you know, but they don't tell you that, you know. Of course they Randall don't. My hero. <laughs> yeah, well, he was amazing. And I think something yeah. about like he gave, he handed out silver dollars for every, I something, so that kind of came about with the silver bullet. So he gave silver dollars to whoever mm-hmm. it was that helped him capture. And he, mm-hmm. didn't, he didn't kill mm-hmm. a lot of people. He actually captured like 3,000 people. Yeah, he people. captured. Yeah. yeah. Phenomenal. Yeah, that was his thing. He would, he, he would, he was captured like how they showed the Long Ranger shooting pistols out of people's hands. See, because back in that day, he knew that if he killed a white man, the backlash that he would have on him out here, just imagine, you got this black dude going around there killing all these white men. Even though they was bad, he was like, oh, boy, oh, that <laughs> I know, I know Jab robbed the bank, but, uh, <laughs> you have a good I mean, day to go get it. <laughs> but so he had to use his skills to try to disarm him and catch him. You see what I'm saying? His job was yeah. twice as hard. It was impossible. Yes. And he, he did, I think he has the best record ever, you know, just mm-hmm. an amazing arrest record. And I just, yes. they need to make a movie about Bass Reeves. I mean, he's They just, are. They're going to make him one. They're oh, making good. one. They, yes, they're making one. Uh, I forgot who's, who's, uh, who's actually doing it. But I want to say the same guy that's trying to do, that did uh, James something. He just did the, he just did the uh, Heart of They Fall. But I think he, the next one he's going to do is Bass Reeves. Good. If I'm not mistaken. Yeah. yeah, we need some of this like corrected history out here. Because I mean, yeah. like, this is, it's so fun to learn about like, you know, what actually ha- had to happen and what actually happened. Absolutely. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. It's a lot of history out there that we don't know. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yes. And with the years that have passed by, I mean, I only expect to learn more because, you know, there was just like a light shown. 
over where it oh, hasn't yeah. been shown. So I'm excited to learn. I feel like the wave that came, it's going to continue to come and we'll just keep oh, finding yeah. out it's, more it's history. Coming. Yeah. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. I just learned about another guy uh, named Kendall Marshall. I think I got to look it up. But it was another black guy that became a sheriff almost in the same way as uh, Bash Reeves did. But he worked. He was in. He was a Buffalo soldier. Was in the military. Then he got out of the military and got a job as a sheriff. But the only way he got it was to actually go get the baddest dude in town that killed the last sheriff. Jeez. Oh, <laughs> Actually, yeah, and he had to do the same thing. He couldn't kill, just kill the guy, because he, so he, he had to bring him in alive. And then so he shot the guy's guns out of his hands and he was able to arrest him. But he did wind up killing two of his counterparts. And then so uh, then he got backlash behind that, but they, they stood up for him, um, you know, because they did draw their guns on him to kill him, you know. So, but yeah, that was another story. That's a that's a good one. That's a good mm-hmm. that's a good Western story, definitely. Mm-hmm. I'll send you the little article about it. I was reading. Yes, was please. Like, oh, wow. We can include it too in our show notes yes. so that people can, you know, read out. Yeah, there you go. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. So I, as far as, you know, I just thank you so much for meeting us today. I know you're so busy. Is there, well, any, is there anything else that we can share with the listeners that you would want them to know about? Um. Well, well yeah, this is something like off of the, off of the side uh, and in order to um, come up with some funds to help our program and to keep us going, we've been thinking about creative ways to make, you know, extra money to help, you know, so I'm going to release a uh, EP. Uh, I do music. My wife makes the music and I write the songs and I'm going to release an EP for sale. So look out for that. On Apple Music? Spotify? Yes. Okay, Apple cool. Music, Spotify, all of that. Exo nice. Skills is my uh, stage name. What is it? Exo Skills. Okay. If, yes. If you could share that with us, send us an email, and we'll put that in the show notes as well. And okay. So what we'll be doing is sharing everything with our, our name bubbles parents. And we'll mm-hmm. read, you know, obviously we're also out there on Spotify and um, out there on on the podcasts and Apple, but just, oh, cool. yeah, but we'll be letting our, our, our parents know through our name bubbles community as well. But I'm, I'm just so glad you, we were able to connect and me thank too. You, thank you so, so much. I have a joke for you. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, what does one Dorito farmer say to the other? Uh, one Dorito farmer say to the other. Cool ranch. Um, hold the ranch. Cool ranch. <laughs> oh. <laughs> okay. I thought you might like it because it's like ranch. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm like, huh? What could he say? <laughs> I'm like, you don't have to figure it out. Cool I ranch. didn't. I yeah. wouldn't know it. I like that. <laughs> but I thought that you might like it. <laughs> yeah. You can take yeah. it. But Juan, thank you for making such safe the safe space for kids in your community and. You, you are someone that we can all look to. And I, I find now that I'm getting older, you know, I'm in my 50s, yeah. like now's the time we start, as we get older, we need to start giving back and we need to yes. be part of our community. And I don't think I ever realized how important that was until, mm-hmm. you know, probably COVID. That's embarrassing mm-hmm. to say, but COVID really kind of hit me hard and just seeing how people were struggling. And you've been doing this for decades. So yeah. 
you know, just. Well, when you see the need is when you see the need, you know. So when you saw the need, now look at you. Yeah, but but you have you you have a superpower and that is that is giving to others. And just, you know, thank you. Oh, thank you very much. Thank you. Thank you. And I wanted yes, to read, like, so we can highlight again, because I think we talked about it before um, the recording began, but the the basis of the organization was like 70 plus years, correct? Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It was 75 years in existence prior to me, you know, see, so that's a lot of years. Yes. That's a lot of years. Yeah. And sometimes it just like takes maybe the right idea or the right person to finally impact or create the impact that you kind of envisioned and maybe they had before. yes yes and, and 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 nobody saw the vision like, like when you see when you you gotta watch fire on the hill you know because uh he has some really real moments in there and you know and uh and the movie could actually went on and on it could actually been a series uh that's a whole nother conversation but uh you're gonna see the the excitement the determination the disappointment and all of that you know, because the community wasn't for what I was doing. And it kind of like shook me because I'm like, I'm trying to do this for us. You know, not, not, this isn't a me thing. That's why I never once was a Guan thing or an Exo Skills thing or, you know, or I tried to make it about me. But the problem with, you know, uh, a broken community is that it's broken. You know, so people think the way they think and they're like, okay, well, everybody's all about, well, it's me, 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 me. And the the ideology of somebody thinking about this could be for us, it kind of shook them, you know, see. So it was like, I I was met with a lot of opposition. Well, you haven't been at the hill as long as me. You're not a cowboy like me. You don't bulldog. You don't. Wait a minute, how's this? This has nothing to do with, with, with me or what I can do. I'm a super cowboy. You never want to hear me want to say nothing, nothing about that. You know what I'm saying? Oh, this is super cowboy. Why I got it? No, no, it's, it's not that kind of movement, but people took it as such. And, and uh, it kind of shocked me, you know, the opposition that I was met with. Um, so uh, that's why I, I kind of like did it the way that I did it, you know, to, to just, all right, I'm just going to do it then. You know, the guys that's with me, we're going to do it. I can't get everybody involved. The few that I can, we're just going to just make this thing happen. And then so later on, people, you know, started coming back into the fold and, you know, so, but yeah. Well, I'm glad that they came back into the fold to help out. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. getting people back in to, to help you and I, I'm you know, I saw that your team, it seems like you guys are, have been there together for quite a while. Yeah. So. <laughs> yeah. Decades. That's the great thing about it. You know, see, so, you know, we, we were there prior to all of the hoopla and we're going to be there after that because our families are entrenched with one another. You know, we're like uncles and brothers and cousins and sisters, you know, see, so. That's great. I, as far as I saw that, um, you were ra- you're raising your kids in the, in the same house you grew up in and you must know yes. all of your neighbors. I mean, that's a beautiful thing. I'm, I'm a transplant and I always kind of go, okay, where am I going to go next? And mm-hmm. the more I think about it, I'm like, gosh, it's, it is about those generations, you know, knowing mm-hmm. each other and having that shared relationship and those memories. Mm-hmm. It really, oh, yeah. it makes, it oh, makes yeah. something very special in the community. 
Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Because, you know, I live both ways away and with uh, the community that I grew up in. And I must say, I, I really like being around uh, the community where I'm at right now uh, because it still gives me a sense of uh, what I need to do and what I want to do and what I want to see changed. And it, and that was a question that me and my wife was asking ourselves for years about moving, you know, out. Let's just go ahead and move out of the city. It's rough for the kids and this and that. And uh, I really didn't see the need and the urgency uh, to do that because I had so much I wanted to see happen within the community, you know. So, um, you know, I, I I don't know. I'm just stuck. I just I just love uh, the community. I got a lot of memories around this community, you know, good and bad. And the bad ones, I would like to see not happen for anybody else. And so that's part of the mission. That's awesome. Definitely. I mean, I it's you've you've seen a lot through your lifetime. And I appreciate you giving us some of the historical background on that too. And, you know, letting the listener hear that because there are a lot of, there are downs, but that the fact that you're making something to build a brighter future is, is resilient and fearless. And, uh, you know, you are a doer. So thank you for being a doer of, of bright and wonderful things. Oh, thank you. Thank you. And your intention. Thank you for that too. Because just going oh, back thanks. to like treating the animal with respect and learning how to understand them, you know, and how to communicate with a, another being, you know, that can't talk back to you. It's it's really, it's really really cool what you're doing. Mm, thank you, thank you. But Guan, thank you for joining us today. And um, actually, to the listeners, make sure you come onto the show notes and and take a look at some of the background and look at. at Juan's EP, and then also the donate button for Urban Saddles. So we definitely want to um, contribute and support in this wonderful effort and this wonderful um, nonprofit. So thanks for joining us, Guan. Oh, thank you. And y'all have a blessed day. Thank you. Thank you. you too. Okay, bye-bye. Bye.